ready to start it sure should we jump right in yeah all right well all right i'll intro it and we'll do it listeners you are listening to another festive episode of chewing the scenery horror movie podcast this is a podcast where we three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise Did did i say virtually properly there i don't know until safe to do otherwise and uh, talk about a movie, which we will spoil. And some recently watched, which we'll talk about first and try not to spoil. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find the music digitally on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it. Or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon-Rays. And we three made a coloring book. You can find our Plan 9 from Outer Space coloring book on Etsy from the Screen Monsters Etsy shop or go to plan9coloringbook.com that's plan the number 9 coloringbook.com and it'll just click through to Etsy anyway and you can buy it and I'll send you some crayons or some stickers or something uh, that is housekeeping as we know it I am Richard I'm here with Will hello and Jolian hello we're your hosts and uh, guys should we talk about recently watched? Sure. What have you recently watched? Okay, I'll start it off. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, you know what? We were talking uh, briefly about the Kennedy assassination fascination that I have. <laughs> and Will, you and I talked about it on the phone a little bit, too. Uh, yeah. You had a great amount of trouble finding any podcast that was of good quality talking about the Kennedy assassination. Um, yeah. And I mentioned there were a couple of documentaries previous to that. I had talked about it on the show and Jolien said, your green screen. <laughs> we do love the green screen. Um, so Jolien had mentioned that, you know, they've tested this. It's pretty clear that it could have been one shooter and probably was. And I've always thought, no, the, the one part that always gets me is the direction of the, of the kill shot. And, now I'm, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, now I'm not so. You've not sh- heard of rubber bullets? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's the long way around to get into telling you that I watched the Grassy Knoll, which is a 2020 um, documentary where FBI agents and experts reexamine the uh, GFK assassination, and. Uh, they do reach the conclusion that um, it's probably probably done by this one dude working for the mafia, and there was some Cuba stuff probably tied in there because the mafia. I think. Uh, Go ahead. I think Cheech and Chong should do a Christmas movie called uh, The Grassy Knoll. <laughs> that would be great. Oh. 
we need them back. Or even, you know, if you want to update it, Harold and Kumar, maybe. <laughs> but um, so they, they, they get to where they're like, all right, we're pretty sure this is how it happened. And these are the people who had their interests about it. But then I thought, you know what, let's balance this out. So I watched another one um, that was uh, that was called Conspiracy Theorists Lie. Now, the guy who wrote and directed this, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like... Is that a conspiracy? We're just going to just sock you on the nose with the title of this thing, right? <laughs> right well, that's a meta-conspiracy, isn't it? It's like conspiracy theorists get together and lie there's it's a conspiracy amongst conspiracy theorists uh so basically what this guy has done is a bunch of research and um has considered carefully all of the facts and all of the theories about the jfk assassination and he's arrived at the conclusion that no this is totally one shooter from one vantage point you know three shots and one of them was successful and it's very compelling. One thing I can say about the guy I don't appreciate so much is that, you know, on one of the anniversaries of the JFK assassination, he's handing out book, little booklets that he's made with his point of view expressed in them. And he's kind of got endless energy to argue with people. And I always, he seems confrontational and argumentative in a way that makes me cringe a little bit. Um, but this is who he is, and that's his business, so I don't care. I, I have really appreciated what he put together here, and it's got me thinking again, okay, maybe it was just Oswald after all. Uh, and I don't go easily which, which way the wind blows on opinions about this one, so it's got me wanting to look into it a little deeper. So that one was from 2015. Uh, Grassy Knoll was from 2020. Um, and I watched this one called Little Sister, from 2016 this was much much lighter although they call it a dark comedy it's not really as dark as talking about assassinations uh this is about a young nun who's in training and she's sort of away from her family but she finds out that her brother has returned from the war in iraq and he's been badly burned and injured and is just sort of recovering at home well he's recovered from his wounds but he's recovering from the other damage and so she's come back to uh her home her childhood home where she used to be a goth kid and would hang out with her brother and get into some trouble so they're just sort of like abandoning all responsibility and just uh you know doing what they'll do and she has borrowed like the uh she's borrowed the car that belongs to the convent and is supposed to be back in like two days and it's going into like day five or six. Uh, the mother superior is Barbara Crampton, which is awesome. <laughs> Barbara Crampton is a nun. Uh, and it's, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I would say for the lighthearted art house kind of, you can't call it a rom-com at all because there's no romance in it, but it's kind of got that vibe to it in a way, but it's more of a... Uh, Just a comedy then? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, a calm. It's a calm. <laughs> it's a non-calm. Non-calm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, non-calm. Yeah. And it, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, it it's, it's not going to really challenge you in a lot of ways, but you'll, you'll enjoy it. 
we watched Bombshell. This is the one that came out last year that was talking about um, the women who sort of take on Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News, for all of his uh, horrible behavior. Mm-hmm. And you get to relive some of the horror of uh, some political stuff as it was unfolding. Um, I'd say if, if you're interested in that sort of thing, go ahead and watch it. If not, then easily avoided. And then I decided, Hey, you know what? It's been all week and I haven't watched enough UFO stuff. So I, I watched one called extraordinary, the seeding. And this is about, uh, abductions that end up in <laughs> extraterrestrial, uh, insemination, I guess would be what you could call it. Uh, people have memories. Of it's like those close encounters of the fourth kind or fifth kind. This might be into six. It's or like seven. a classification, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, but these are, uh, there's a lot of interviews with people who, who swear this has happened to them and that there is a hybridization project, um, going on with, uh, the extraterrestrials and uh, they're pretty sure they have numerous children that are maybe off planet or who knows. Uh, Gas electric hybrid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of hybrid better. Uh, did, did you see in the last week, uh, the, uh, uh, a general from the Israeli military or intelligence service had said that aliens are here and Trump knows about them and uh, they've, you know, they've been living with us for some time, and we're not ready. That's why they've decided. Did you see that? That was a yeah. That no, was a news story it. in the last week. Yeah. Yeah, and that we're just not ready for them. Which, you know what? Mm. I'd say. Yeah, I heard it on the BBC, and the the first the first reaction was the uh, it wasn't oh aliens live amongst us is unlikely. It was. Trump knows about it, but hasn't said anything. <laughs> like he could help himself. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, that was the last of my recently watched, but yeah, I, I, I gotta say, if there's any big news out there and anyone who's unfiltered is going to know about it, we're all going to hear about it. But all you have to do is look at the um, the declassified uh, videos from that the Pentagon has said. Yeah, okay, declassify these. This is this is actually our stuff. The Tic Tac video. That's all you got to look at and say. All right. Is that kind of dance? <laughs> no, not Tic Tac. Tic Tac. It's a Tic Tac shaped craft that is moving at impossible speeds, doing impossible maneuvers. And uh, it was caught on the gun camera of uh, an Air Force plane. Uh, so a fighter pilot has captured this on video, and they're like, there's no way this is anything we know. This is, this is something we've not identified. This isn't to say it's from off-planet. This is to say we've not identified it. Uh, no human could live in a craft pulling these kind of maneuvers. That's the main focus of the videos. There's, I think, three videos. And uh, this should be the biggest news of the year. Or at least the second biggest. But most people you talk to haven't heard about this. But it is straight from our own government 
uh, and they've said these are actual videos from our actual military, and we don't know what this stuff is, which is big and scary if it ain't aliens. <laughs> and it's big and scary if it is aliens. <laughs> so it's kind of big and scary either way, in my opinion. So, yeah, if anyone hasn't seen uh, the declassified videos, uh, our own Defense Department has said, yep, it's our stuff from our planes. And if you were in this craft when it was doing what it was doing, you would be turned to mush. And it also does stuff like fly and then hit the water and go under the water, which we don't have anything that does that. Uh, anyway, that's, that makes me sound like I'm the UFO nut, but uh, no. <laughs> this is not my doing. This is not my work. I am just telling, no. I am just telling about it. <laughs> it's not made up. It's well, if it's made up, it's not made up by me. Who wants to go next? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Uh, okay, I'll go. Uh, let's see. Uh, we continue our trek through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, there was it. I'm more and more convinced that, uh, the future's not all cracked up. It's cracked up to be. So it's more of a slog. Not a utopia that, that Starfleet makes it out to be, you know, or Star Trek makes it out to be. Uh, yeah. Um, watched a few more episodes of Shit's Creek, which I enjoy. Um, although at 20 minute long episodes, it seems perhaps a little too slight. Um, I don't know. I enjoy it. It's, it's a good enough show. Um, I watched a Quite a few movies, uh, none of which I wrote down, so I'm probably going to leave stuff out. But just off the top of my head, I watched last year's Godzilla King of Monsters. Um, well, on the plus side, it delivered on the monsters. It, uh, it was not uh, what I feared would be a slog uh, with a little bit of monsters at the beginning and a lot of talking in the middle and then a little bit of monsters <laughs> at the end because that's how they usually go. Yep. Um, it's all bookended. This, yeah, this went all the way through. I mean, it was action all the way through. If anything, it was overstuffed. It could have been half an hour shorter, uh, maybe a little less convoluted, but all in all, pretty enjoyable. Um, I think they lose some of the charm, though, without miniatures and a guy in a suit. Um, after a while, it becomes like a cartoon. You start wondering, like, what is actually live action in this shot? This guy in the foreground yelling at his, at his comrades to come on, you know, the soldier with a machine gun. He's clearly a real person, but what around him is really happening that's not just ones and zeros it, it becomes kind of too much at times to see um i give it a b that's pretty good um bees don't come easy yeah. from you no maybe a b minus it it was better than i thought it was gonna be it All wasn't right. as good as shin godzilla that's still mm. like top of the of the pack 
for modern monster movies, giant monster movies. Yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, Zat. I don't know if you've anybody seen oh, yes. Zat. Right. <laughs> Ooh, that is a good one. I hadn't seen Zat in probably 20 years almost. Are you saying Zap? So I decided Z A A T. Yeah. Yep. Oh. With a with an exclamation point, I believe. Yeah, also known as the Bloodwaters of Doctor Z. Okay. Even though the doctor in it is Doctor Leopold, there's no Doctor Z in it. Um, <laughs> this was a movie made in 1971 or two early 70s um, by a Florida-based educational film group. Um, who decided to make a monster movie. It is inept in all sorts of ways. <laughs> <laughs> it's shot like a, an educational video. It's got a lot, a lot of stock footage of undersea creatures and a really bad <laughs> narr narrator talking. Um... I'm not really sure who the star of the movie is. I guess it's Dr. Z, Dr. Leopold. Um, Dr. Leopold is a sad-looking man who stumbles about um, in his filthy little basement warehouse kind of laboratory, and he has the mad idea to turn people into fish people. Oh, yeah. um, he wants to become like a walking catfish. To take over the world because that makes sense right right yeah um well he turns into kind of a green warthoggy looking thing with fur not very fish-like um it, it looks more like paper mache over a gas mask hmm. um which the poor actor can't see out of because he stumbles constantly um and then he proceeds to not too much. He walks around a lot. And they shoot everything very flatly. Um, when, you know, uh, another movie would, a better movie would, would not just have the reveal of the monster walking down the street at night, <laughs> just stumbling along the street like a guy in a costume. But they go there. Um, uh, there's some unfortunate padding with hippies singing uh. a song. Oh, my internet connection is unstable. Um, anyway, Zat, Zat is a masterpiece. Watch it. It's pro I believe it's on YouTube. That's where I saw it. So, uh, I think it's probably in the public domain, if anything. Um, maybe Vinegar Syndrome is working on a beautiful <laughs> restoration print, we can all hope. Yeah, criteria. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the the print that's out there looks pretty good. Um, well, I also I recommend did, uh, Sting of Death if you like a Floridian swamp monster. Ooh, I haven't seen movie. that one. Okay, yeah, Sting is, is of it, Death. Yeah, it's a jellyfish guy. Ooh, that sounds good. It's directed I'm by sure William Greffey. And it's got right. a newest darkest song in it. It's brilliant. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, do the, do okay. the jellyfish. Not Crocodile Rock. No, Ooh. Wella Wella, do the jelly, 
do the jellyfish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, then I watched, uh, <clears throat> continuing with the kind of sea theme, I watched Devilfish, which is an Italian early 80s Jaws octopus movie. Yeah, it's like a you shark with tentacles, isn't octopus. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a shark with tentacles. <laughs> kind of a prehistoric-looking thing. Um, a very angular dolphin researching lady and company go out to hunt down the devil fish that's causing trouble. It's an Italian Jaws ripoff. It's, it's quite <laughs> terrible. But... <laughs> <laughs> that one ends up in a swamp too, doesn't it? They're, they're all uh, out in the reeds or something hunting it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and then I think that's about all I watch. Oh, I I watched a bunch of vampire movies, finishing off the vampire uh, movies from a couple weeks ago with Blood Splattered Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> when Richard was describing, um, when we discussed this on the episode two, three episodes ago. Uh, lesbian vampire vampire films. Um, you were describing um, uh, what is it? Daughters of Daughters of Darkness. Daughters of Darkness. The, yeah, yeah, you were describing, and I was thinking to myself as you described it. Wow. Did I miss that much in the movie? Yeah, I edited this I out remember. of the show. Okay, I edited this out because I I screwed that up and I was talking about a scene from Blood Spattered Bride and it was actually... Yes, so when I watched it, it made so much more sense and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't miss, like, you know... The most obvious joke. film somehow. <laughs> now, the listeners need to hear it since I cut it out. I was like, oh, man, I said the wrong movie. This doesn't make sense to anyone. What happens in Blood Spattered Bride? Is it spattered or splattered? Spattered, isn't it? Splattered. 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 (laughs) Hey, if you search it, you'll find it, okay? So it's from what, 77, 73? When's that from? Okay, I'm just going to Google it. Three, I think. 70, let's say it's from 73. I'm not even going to Google it. Okay. Um, what happens... I believe it's 73. Okay. What happens is this newlywed couple, and that's what confused me, is there's a newlywed couple crossover between the two different movies. Uh, they, get, they get to where they're going to go. This woman has previously been attacked, and you're like, oh man, this is terrible. She's probably traumatized. And of course, her, her groom is tearing her clothes off we see full frontal nudity and um let's just say the personal grooming or the intimate grooming of the day was not as maybe um close as it would be in later years and being 15 years old as i apparently still am i looked at it and i thought maybe you should trim that and then it just cuts to a guy trimming a bush like a a hedge just, it was totally intentional. It had to have been, right? But I felt like I was crazy because you <laughs> described it as Daughters of Darkness. And I I had gotten up to get a soda or something <laughs> while it started. Right. So I missed maybe 
I don't know. The twenty feet it is from the TV to the to the refrigerator. That's <laughs> further than that, but you know, twenty yards. And right. uh, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, <laughs> what was I watching? What, how did I miss that?" Yep, I conflated them because I watched too many of them one after the other, and it was like, which was a fear <laughs> I had had. Right. <laughs> Um, and then I watched uh, Countess Dracula. How was that one? Um, which I think I I liked a little more. Oh. Although very predictable. Um, I enjoyed the characters' hats, and I really liked the actors' hats. Um, did you say hats? <laughs> yes, the men in this wear giant kind of fur caps, and I'm not kidding. The thing was the size of an ottoman, and that's all he wears because it's bottled in the heat. He's wearing like kind of a frilly blouse and a and a waistcoat and uh, pants and a boots. Everybody else has big because it's winter and it's I don't know somewhere Eastern European, and everybody has big coats on, but not this guy because his giant hat. It's bottled in the heat. It is enormous. And then you see the sets and it like almost touches. And you're like, did they have to extend the ceiling? <laughs> Get the hat in there. Did they have to cut the hat down? Oh man, I have to watch that again. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's great. I really liked it. And uh, again, it's, it's very predictable. Um, and unfortunately the age makeup on, on Ingrid Pitt is really, really badly done. It does not look, make her look old. It makes her look like she's got something on her face. Um, yeah. You know. when, she, when she takes um, it off, she'll they, look younger. Yeah. It's going to be better. So she could play yeah. her own daughter. Yeah. She puts the blood <laughs> on and then, you know, her skin underneath. It's, it's beautiful Ingrid Pitt. Who, um, when we when we did the episode, I meant to bring up. I read some interviews with her, and she uh, she talked about how the producers of of um, the other movie now I'm blanking on the title. Um, Vampire lovers. Vampire lovers. They were upset because they didn't get to be on set when she and uh, and uh, Madeline Smith were uh, nude. And so she was walking down the hallway once um, and they were coming down the hallway towards her and she was just in a robe. So she gave them quite a show and then <laughs> she has all sorts of stories like that. And she's like, uh, oh, I'm glad that I got that all on, on film. Some of the grandkids know the grandma was hot. at one time. <laughs> so. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, she seemed like she had a really good attitude about the whole thing and thought it was yes. a lot of fun. Madeline Smith seemed a little prudish and and kind of put out by the whole thing and evidently upset to this day about it. But uh, they had told her that she'd only appear in Japan or foreign markets nude, and then oh, <laughs> yep, there was some there was something that wasn't in the fine print, as you might have hoped, and. Boom. Yeah. It's everywhere. 
So uh, I think that's all I've watched. I tried to watch something called Cult of the Damned, but I couldn't get into it. Hmm. It was very, very much 1969. Um, if you start watching it, you'll see uh, felt like very much an art house movie from 1969. Kind of had an. It looks good on paper, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds good. The little description, you're like, ooh, this this sounds like a hidden gem that I I've overlooked, but ooh, it just it never catches, or at least didn't for me. Uh, not me um, either. I'm sure there's more, but Jolian. Um, well, I started recommending uh, wintry horror movies on Facebook, but immediately got sucked down. Uh, rabbit hole and uh was just doing yeti movies oh yeah so, of course. Uh, yeah, i should get that finished up this week uh but yeah i, I post uh, one or two yeti movies a day and pictures and uh and i uh, also include a yeti song of the day uh so uh yeah m- yeah mostly yeti movies uh i'm gonna finish off with the the my two favorite ones but uh i've, I've been doing yeti movies from uh uh, you know, today I did one from Poland, and uh, I've done them from uh, America. Uh, I'm going to do one from India. Uh, there's a Nepali one I found. Um, Ooh. So yeah, that, that's been fun. Um, yeah, the Polish one I hadn't seen before, and the Nepali one I hadn't seen before. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, mostly uh, Yeti movies. Um, and what's your favorite think, uh, Yeti the next movie? one? Uh, probably uh, the the Japanese one. Uh, it was re-edited as Half Human in the US. Uh, the Japanese title okay. is Jujin Yukiotoko, which means uh, Beast Man Snowman. <laughs> and this was made in 1955. And this was like the follow-up to Godzilla. Uh, a lot of the same cast and crew. And, uh, oh, okay. and then this uh, uh, Japanese pressure group subjected to how the uh, uh, this uh, ethnic group in it uh, of Japanese was depicted as a bunch of um, inbred, uh, you know, ignorant peasants. <laughs> and uh, and the, the movie kind of disappeared for decades. Uh, only just recently, you know, were able to find it again online. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I like that one. And then uh, Abominable Snowman, the Hammer film. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. I like that one, like a, lot that well. one a lot. Yeah, that one's uh, got a yeah. That scene where the arm comes in through the, uh, mm-hmm. the tent. Is, yes, and the scale is off. Ooh, that's a good scene. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. And uh, yeah, that's that one's quite haunting. I I, I keep coming back to that one and. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I like um, there's this uh, Swedish one called uh, Terror in the Midnight Sun, which again got re-edited in in the US. Uh, terrible version. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, if you can see the original one of that, that one's good. Um, uh, and I was just uh, the last couple I watched were uh, uh, Paul Nashi did a couple in his. You know he, he's done with that werewolf series with uh, uh, 
he plays this character named Voldemar Daninsky. And uh, the only connection, well, the only connection between most of the movies is that the same character gets turned into a werewolf in each movie, one way or the other. Mm. And uh, so he, he did a couple where uh, there's a Yeti involved. Um, so I'll, I'll post about them tomorrow. But anyway, um, apart from that, we're still watching uh, G Gundam and uh, Henshin Ninja Arashi. Um, that's a Japanese superhero series. It's a period series. Uh, so, um, but uh, episode 20, the, uh, the bad guys give up on their local monsters and they start bringing in monsters from the West. And so you get these like uh, bizarre takes on like Dracula and Medusa and uh, <laughs> witches and uh, and so on. Uh, they, they're all given like really strange twists. Like there's, there's this Frankenstein monster that can separate his limbs out and his head and they all fly around separately and breathe fire and <laughs> so on. Wow. Um, that's great. Yeah, that's quite fun. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, mostly, mostly Yetis this week. <clears throat> well, you know, the weather is correct for it right, right about now. We've, yeah. we've had some, Yeti weather. some proper <laughs> cold, snowy weather. I had to go break the ice yeah. out of the koi pond oh, yeah. this morning. Oh yeah. Like that. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'd like to mention, uh, so we recently lost, uh, Dario Nicolodi. Oh, oh. did not know that. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, we should, we should talk about her in the new year properly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Richard Corbin. Yes. Died, uh, a week or so ago. Yeah. Back on the, the second yeah, and if anyone so, uh, doesn't uh, think they're familiar with his work, if you've seen Heavy Metal, you've seen Den, uh, the, yeah. char- the character he created and uh, illustrated so well, animated poorly. And uh, one of the best-selling albums of all time he did the cover for. Oh, yeah, Bad Out of Hell. Yeah, that's yeah. him. Yeah, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, uh, yeah. And as far as horror stuff goes, he, he did these fantastic uh, versions of Poe stories. Oh, yeah. Man. And if you're a fan of the color of purple, the color <laughs> purple, you'll like his work because he uses a lot of purple. Yes, yeah, a lot of acid colors on his stuff. Oh yeah, oh he had some great stuff. Yeah, he was definitely uh, different than anyone else. You would never mistake, like, oh, who is this? <laughs> no, you, you, if you, if, <laughs> no. you, if you knew Corbin's work. Uh, if you saw a Richard Corbin piece, you'd know it was him. If you knew his work at all. Oh yeah, uh, and you, you have seen his stuff. You might not know the name, but right, yeah, you, you have seen, seen his stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I used to buy uh, Heavy Metal magazine, and uh, he was frequently featured, which was mm-hmm. really kind of cool. Uh, so, um, yeah, who chose Oculus? Who's the jerk that picked this one? <laughs> You picked. You did. <laughs> how did you guys like it, or did you not like it? How how do you feel about this one? Well, can I ask why was Oculus a mirror? Um, why was it a mirror? Yeah. You mean uh, when it has the name of an eyeball? Yeah. Because it's watching you, I guess. Um. Also, just why was it a mirror? 
<laughs> uh, Why wasn't I don't know? It's a haunted cabinet or or a table or lamp. A lamp, like <laughs> movie. It's ripping off Amityville or four <laughs> evil lamp. <laughs> right now, there's... Uh, I, I thought this was. Uh, there's actually a. Uh, uh, I, I was watching it and I thought this is Christopher Nolan's Amityville: A New Generation. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Amityville: A New Generation is where they have a mirror and they <clears> bring it over to the West Coast. That is like uh, it's one of the Amityville movies where they have a like a yard sale, so everything that gets sold becomes the subject of the new movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, so you have endless sequels. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what this movie felt like. Well, okay, I'll tell you why I picked it. It's because I remembered liking it uh, in in so much as the premise of a couple of young people challenging a thing that messed up their childhood. Uh, them challenging it, but but the older one, the sister, having such a clever idea of how there was no way this thing was going to put one over on them and they were going to finally have their retribution or whatever it is they were really after. I mean, basically, they they knew that their reason would be clouded by this object, this haunted object, or she knew it. And she was up against her own younger brother who was just out of the um, institution that was basically convincing him that everything he knew to be true was actually some sort of a delusion. Uh, she was up against him thinking that, well, none of this is real. This is all nonsense. This is all imaginary. But she had all these fail safes in place. And I remember really liking the premise more than I like the story just fine, but I really like the premise of, of, uh, how they were going in the, in the machinations of it. Uh, quite well. I mean, uh, it's somebody poorly described it and I want to read this to you. Um, let's see. Uh, did they say egg timer? <laughs> uh, I'm probably not going to be able to quickly find it, but somebody referred to it as, uh, as an ax attached to an egg timer. And that might've been in the short, but in this one, it was a kitchen timer, like the crank kind and a boat anchor that had an additional 20 or so pounds attached to it. And it was on the... Who didn't see that ending coming when they showed that? <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong <laughs> is what you're wondering. That, that was when the movie really lost. Yeah. Yeah, it was Wiley Coyote. It was... Uh, I was okay with the movie. I wasn't, you know, real sold on it yet. And then they showed that thing, and I was like, what stupid death trap is this? And then she explains it. <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense. Just attach it to the mirror so the mirror drops onto the floor, onto the hard concrete, if, it, if you don't set the timer after 30 minutes. Don't set something up that you can get in between. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and and from that point on, it was just watching, waiting for it to happen. Although, to be honest, for some reason, I thought the brother was going to get it. Oh, okay. 
But I had a 50-50 shot, you know. <laughs> right. One of the two going to get killed. It's like a USB uh, drive, <laughs> you know, like yeah. a thumb drive. Yeah. There's a 50-50 chance you're going to get it right. And then you'll you, never get it right on a USB drive. No. It'll always be the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so that was that really took me out of the movie. It was hard to recover from that. Okay. Um, <laughs> technically, this movie looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the editing. I thought what could have been really confusing... Uh, and I, I read a lot of reviews of people who were confused with the with the j- time jump between the present and the and the flashback to ten years ago. Um, I thought they did really well. I thought they meshed yeah. those really well. You could tell, or at least I could. Um, you could tell what time it was when when it was necessary. They purposely blended them near the end. So you didn't know which is which, right? Which kind of spoiled the film because by the end you didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And yeah. I think they did the sort of fake out a couple times too many, where something you saw, oh, turns out it's a vision, right? Um, but mostly, my problem with it was that this. Well, there's a lot of problems with it. I won't say mostly. Uh, a problem with it was the uh, the sister, Kaylee, has planned all this stuff. She has all these fail-safes she sets up, but then they never do anything with them, really. Occasionally an alarm rings and she hands out a bottle of water, but... there, This movie, I think the big problem is... Uh, is they didn't explain what the mirror was. Now, I don't need a a full backstory. They did give a history, but they didn't tell you what the mirror was. They give you no real sense of how to fight this thing. But she has all these plans, which you could tell from her, uh, just her attitude that, oh, this isn't going to go well. And then you see, the again, you see the death device, and you're like, oh, well, I know where this is going. You just wait for two hours. Right. And they didn't give you, they didn't give you, I'm I'm not disappointed that it was a a unhappy ending. I don't need a happy ending. It reminded me of the movie um, we watched a while back, uh, The Shack or something. Oh, The Shed. Not The Shed. No? The Lodge. The Lodge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bummer ending. (laughs) Bummer ending on that. But it was earned. Right, you're right. Uh, that movie gets to the end, and you're like, "Oh God!" But you knew why it got there. Right. This movie felt like you were waiting for a twist to come, or at least I was. And then you get to the end that you knew was coming, and it didn't feel like there was any any payoff, even if if. Both characters lose, like last week's movie, which I didn't get to review, but Carnosaur ends with both characters dying at the end. Right. Um, and if I have to say Carnosaur was a better movie than Oculus, <laughs> I don't know what went wrong. Oh, my God. <clears throat> wow. 
throws down the gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I thought. Wow. I don't know. This movie just uh, it it was again like the Babadook. It was a movie you could tell was short. Right. Got stretched out. Is that a bad uh, thing? To, is that a bad thing to do? Like, if you've got a good idea for a story, is it a bad idea to start by making a short out of it and then later extend it? It depends on how uh, how much there is to the idea. Yeah, the, the kernel. Yeah. yeah, it has to be able to be expanded that much. Yeah. Um, um, let me, let me uh, jump in here real quick and say that... Um, that Flanagan did say that uh, that this was inspired by H.P. Lovecraft's stories, um, not in that it was racist, but in that uh, he didn't want to explain the mi- <laughs> he didn't want to explain the mirror's origins, saying that he liked how Lovecraft often would be um, introducing an alien force that you would have to try to comprehend, even if it would drive you mad. And evil in a world doesn't need to have an answer. So I, I can say, okay, cool. In a world, yes. But in a movie, no. <laughs> it has to. Okay. For a story to work as a movie, I think you have to have, as a horror movie anyway, you have to set down some rules. Now, you don't have to have the sister come out and go, here are the six ways we defeat the mirror. <laughs> right. And, and lay them out. Or... Here are the definitive story, The Mirror. It was made by Stephen P. Evil in 1630, <laughs> uh, in with, you know, the souls of a hundred murdered orphans, blah, blah, blah. It, it can be subtle. It right. doesn't have to be, you know, just on-the-nose uh flat out tell you it can be subtle this is an art form writing is an art form um and again it's the cheapest thing to do so get your story right but um just it it needs some rules because then you can have a reason you have okay a possibility for these people to come out the way it's set up here with with this uh, unknowable evil that's always existed. It's so powerful. It becomes, what's the point? Right. I mean, nobody made Rocky five where Rocky fights a toddler because it's not a fair <laughs> fight. This is how this movie kind of felt it was like, don't they have any edge? Like they learn that, Oh, it doesn't affect us after I don't know, 30 feet or 30 meters or something they say in there. Um, uh-huh. Which, okay, yeah, ooh, you know, they. It, I figured they'd write it in like, ooh, the thing was tricking us. It can actually go 35 feet. Oh, yeah, that, uh, five, yeah, that five feet, you know. We were just inside the, uh, the circumference there. Uh, you know... They, the thing can trick you, but I think it, I think you need to set up some rules for your movie to work. Otherwise, it just becomes this kind of intangible thing that well, what are they fighting? Basically, it comes down to is why this story about the evil mirror? 
if this evil mirror has been doing this for centuries and killed all these people, why this story? Why not one set in the 20s or one set 40 years from now? If this story isn't special in some way in that they they defeat it or they they come out in the end some way, uh, perhaps. They end up dying, but the mirror is destroyed. I don't know. I'm not going to write the movie, but <laughs> yeah, you know. Do you think the subtext is uh, is uh, the inability to escape trauma? But uh, they're, they're unable to escape childhood trauma. So, uh, so with the brother, he's he's taken into a psychiatric care, and he's told that none of this is real. But with her, she knows it was real. And she's trying to destroy it, and both approaches are uh, self-destructive. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. The idea of having a uh, a, a destructive device, <laughs> Will's right. It didn't have to be people-killing ability. Because, you know, at work we have a, an automatic printing press. And if you step into it or stick your arm into it the wrong way, you could maybe break a bone or get badly bruised. Well, there's a little yellow gate around the thing that if you step beyond it, you might get hurt, but at least there's a yellow gate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, put a few chairs around the thing or something, <laughs> but then again, I, I can't remember, but what's the, uh, what's the end game of the mirror? The Lassa mirror. What, what's it trying to do? That's uh, that's another thing. You don't really know why. It's just evil. What does it want? It just wants evil, right? It okay. just kills people, and somehow they then become trapped in the mirror. Does the mirror want more souls <laughs> in it? It's just 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 eating. It's that's just what it eats. It eats souls. Yes. Um. That was a, that was something. Uh, another thing was why was it a mirror i brought up earlier you would think um they would use the mirror in some sort of fashion that that was spooky no was a quality inherent to the mirror either reflection or or other kind of worldly or backwards it's like the movie i reviewed a few weeks ago scream bloody murder the killer had a hook for his hand but he never killed anyone with the hook <laughs> right. this was a mirror but it didn't need to be a mirror the mirror property right. other than one scene where mom looks into it and sees her yes brain wound open nobody really yes. they don't do anything with the mirror which bothered me they re it, well they reflect on 11 years ago so uh, <laughs> that, I, that's not I literal, but you could that. <laughs> but it was kind of like uh, I don't know. Uh, I always thought Attack of the Clones, or at least Star Wars Clones, was a weird. He, George Lucas wrote clones into it, but I always think of clones as being kind of ooh, it's a double. But he never plays up on any of the doubleness. It's just a way to make a cheap, quick army. Right. Yeah, you know, this is kind of like this. Uh, ooh, we have this mirror, but instead of, I don't know, 
people looking into it and it showing you a fake past or a fake future. Your own doom. Some, your desires or something. Right. Well, you know, it could have just been the closet door. Yeah, or a wardrobe. Yeah. Um, Will And again, why is it called Oculus? It wasn't even round. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been an oval mirror. Um, I wanted to give you an example of, uh, you said they never made a movie where Rocky beat up a toddler. Oh my uh, God, did they? No, they didn't. But do you remember the 1992 <laughs> Olympics when uh, they finally decided that we would go ahead and send professional athletes to the Olympics? The, yeah. Uh, the men's basketball team, the dream team. Dream team. That was the same thing as Rocky beating up a toddler. There you go. Yeah. It was just. Yeah, boring. they're not going to make an inspirational movie about the fucking dream team. No, it's like we sent in. I'm sure they have, but <laughs> it wouldn't, you know, it doesn't play right when you have these, you know. It's so mismatched. Our athletes come in and they're like, ooh, the real Overdogs? <laughs> yes. They should just call it Overdogs. <laughs> I like Overdogs. That's a good name. <laughs> um, so what worked for you in this movie, Will? Um, I have to ask, like, did you like the way they transitioned back and forth? I liked the editing. Yeah? I thought the editing was quite good. Um, there were a couple halfway decent sort of scares that were granted, you know, the kind, the variety where somebody turns and the camera is, or, you know, the camera turns position and there's somebody behind them or next to them. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't get a lot of the um, typical jump scares or gimmicky things. We didn't get a lot of them. We got a few of them, but um, I think one of the more effective things was, when it just seems like they're on the ball, they know what they're doing and they turn around and they don't know shit. And the cameras are pointed lens to lens at each other. And they're just like, wow, how'd that happen? They, and they do the playback and they did it themselves and they can watch their own selves do it on the playback. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, that way, <clears throat> nothing, you know, is true or reliable. And so you go forth wondering if anything is really true or reliable, uh, including the boyfriend showing up and whether he really showed up and whether she really murdered him. Yeah. <laughs> and what that might bring about. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, this thing really was trying to break some new ground and uh, there were hazards in that, I think for sure. Uh, there were definitely hazards in trying to expand a 20 minute or 25 minutes short into a feature length movie. But overall, I really enjoyed um, the young actors doing such a good job uh, in the flashbacks and then the not as young, young actors doing uh, such a good job in the present time of it. Um, but yeah, there were holes in this. There were flaws in this. Um, it could have been any haunted object and you're right. If it's going to be Oculus, why not have it eyeball shaped, you know, vaguely like make it oval. Uh, it was obviously made up. So carve any shape you want. The rectangle 
ish shape wasn't any easier. You know, you could do that. Um, I think it should have been a haunted octagon. You know, one of those little view glasses that has the uh, the, the stereo picture. It's oh, got the right and the left photo. They were popular in the 19th century. We oh, yeah. all remember them from yeah. our childhood. Yeah, the stereoscopes. Yeah. Stereoscope. Yeah. Um, do you guys care if I sidetrack real quick about a haunted object in my own house? No, go ahead. Um, okay. So my wife got these, um, these, um, uh, pentangle shaped, uh, uh, light up tiles that you could put on the wall. Yeah. And there's one power source, but then you can attach as many tiles as you want. And we've probably, I don't know, got 20 of these things on the wall. You've seen them and they're, they're touched to turn them on or turn them off. There is one particular tile, and I didn't jump to the conclusion, this is a ghost. (laughs) Um, But there's one tile that turns on in the middle of the night, which is not as spooky as it is aggravating, because (laughs) there's a a shaft of light cuts through the room, and it's like, oh my God, what happened? (laughs) And I turn around, and it's like just this alien abduction quality of shaft of light cutting through the room from the hallway. I have to get up, go touch the thing to turn it off and hope that it stays off. Cause I, not that I'm spooked. I just don't want to get up again, yeah. you know, at three in the morning, four in the morning, whatever it is. And, uh, and so I did a little test the first time it happened. I thought, okay, well, maybe the guy who built the house died here and haunts the place. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not that. Uh, I hovered my fingertip in front of all the tiles. You have to get about a quarter inch from them before the heat of your hand will turn them on. This one, you could be about an inch away. So I figure there's some residual static or something that's turning it on. Some little trickle charge of static somewhere. But it always likes to do it when you, you're trying to sleep. Yeah. So, so it's... Uh, I would think also... There's not a timer on any of those sizes there. No. So I had no danger of an anchor going through the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just meant it could be time to come on at three in the morning. Oh, no, no, no. This is like, there's one power we have source. Battery powered candles that come on every night at five. Oh, that's always nice. So I, mean, I program them to come on at five. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not 5 a.m. when you're trying to sleep, but 5 p.m. when you want to. No, 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 5 p.m. Okay. Um, So that would be, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe there's things have a timer on. Hey, Jolien, you live in an old uh, Victorian house or Queen Anne, whichever it is. Um, Do you have anything spooky that happens there? Well, last night our uh, smoke detectors went off um, because they're, they're designed that way. Uh, cruelly uh, when they're <laughs> when they start running out of power they just go off oh yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah that, that woke us up last night and then my brother phoned because he lives in Australia uh, he has no idea what time it is here so <laughs> so uh, I had my birthday recently and he's been trying to phone me ever since and it's always at like five in the morning on a Sunday or some ridiculous hour so like by the time I figure out what's going on, I, he's hung up. 
So he can re- two p.m. Tuesday there. <laughs> yeah. So he can reconstruct a human hip, but he can't tell time. He can't figure out time now. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Okay. At least he has the hip figured out. <laughs> but uh, apart from that, uh, no hauntings to report. Oh, well, that just seems really out of character for a house of that sort. Yeah. It should be haunted. I mean, it's kind of a rule. <laughs> You're just ignoring it. I don't it. think our dogs scare it off. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, you hear, you hear rustlings and things, but it's mice. You want to think they're mice. Say, yeah. I have squirrels. I hear <laughs> squirrels in the wall. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, we, we had raccoons in the ceiling a couple Ooh. of years ago. But no ghosts. No, I think most ghosts are probably raccoons or squirrels. So, Jolien, how did you feel about the way this, uh, the way the storytelling unfolded and the way it bounced back and forth? Did that work for you at all? Yeah, I I felt you know I agree with about the ending and um, that trap, um, and how it just seemed inevitable that they would lose. Uh, but I, I thought it was well done. Um, I, it took me a while to get used to uh, Karen Gillan speaking with an American accent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, just before this, she was uh, she was Amy Pond on Doctor Who for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought she did um, a pretty good American accent. Um, yeah, I'm glad, glad to hear it. Um and then, the, yeah, and then herself as a little girl, uh, Annalise Basso, she's also in uh, uh, Ouija, the, uh, w- <laughs> the same director did, um, yeah. uh, and Mike Flanagan, he did uh, the Ouija se- sequel, yeah. uh, Origin of Evil, I think it was, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Yeah, uh, 2016. Uh, she's in that as well, she's, she's good in that too. Yeah. Uh, I, I quite like that one as well. Yeah. yeah, I thought the I thought the kids, the younger versions, were uh, a better choice for the movie because I could kind of buy children fighting an evil mirror more easily than I could buy adults fighting an evil mirror because yes. I don't know reasons. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something. There's something about the. Uh, uh, like when you're a kid, you can like declare things like the floor is lava, and yeah. then everything has to logically follow from that. Right. Uh, you know, there's, there's this kind of kid logic to it with that, that, like you know, this mirror is evil, so you have to do such and such. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so uh, I do like that. Yeah, I thought that I thought that would have been a better movie. I almost felt like this movie, and because I, it was a short, and they had to extend it it almost felt like it was its own sequel. Yeah. Like it, uh, when the, when the sister comes out and gives all this exposition about the mirror, this history of the mirror, it felt like we were getting a rundown from the previous movie and we should know what the evil mirror is and, and, and be familiar with that. But I missed Oculus one and this is Oculus two, but I'm just going to have to roll with it. Look, man, you don't need yes. to know anything about Oculus one. It's like evil dead and evil dead Two. evil dead. Two is just evil dead with money. You know, it's not a sequel. It's not a sequel. It's a remake. 
It's the same thing. I think they do a better job of uh, expanding a short than uh, there was a movie called Lights Out where uh, I can't remember it well, but there's a ghost or something. And like when the lights go out, it attacks. When the lights are on, it's gone. And that was a good short, but then it was really stretched over a feature film. But uh, I felt that Oculus did a better job because it introduced the, you know, the double time frame. Uh, that made it very interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, there's there's really plenty of opportunities to pick this one apart, but I got to say, if you just go on the ride and accept it for what it is, it's certainly not the worst horror movie you'll put up with from uh, Amazon Prime or Hulu. I, we saw this one on Hulu. But there's so many things that that uh, you could pick that are more full of holes. And I'm, I'm really happy for this one to have been as cohesive as it was, considering how flawed the material could be. Uh, so overall, you know, I thought it looked good. Um, Mike Flanagan was the same guy who edited the thing. So let's, uh, let's say if there's anything he missed, you I know, decided I don't like him. He's, uh, <laughs> I, he's up there with, with the Frankensteins and the, and the Rob zombies. And <laughs> like Mike Flanagan. You know? I, I remember being, this being, uh, I, I really liked this the first time. Cause this is, this came out back in 2013, didn't it? And like the American horror films around it were weak. Yeah. Uh, and this one really stood out. I could see that. Yeah. Um, this one's better the first time around for sure. And then you notice more stuff the second time around or if you're will. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Um, but overall, you know, they, um, I got to throw the numbers out for you guys. Will, it did go over 90 minutes. It was 103 minutes, but more importantly, the budget was $5 million, but the box office, they made $44 million on this. I don't remember wow, hearing about a, a theatrical release on it at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember when it came out. It uh, the trailer felt very much like uh, Let's Show You All, everything. Yeah. Which I think is why I gave it a pass. Yes. Yeah, if it, um, if it looked like Ouija, the Ouija-ning, I would probably not have <laughs> noticed and probably passed yeah, on it. Yeah, it. it made me think of, like, The Conjuring or something, and I was like, no, I didn't know. Right. Yeah. There's there's a Hindi remake, which is over two hours. <gasps> oh, man! Ooh. I so want to see that! Not really. Yeah, Dubara. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That came out three years ago. Oh, okay. God. That's it's it's really weird. There's a lot of Hindi stuff that popped up. They they must have bought a package of stuff for Netflix. But the further you scroll on Netflix, the more it's like, oh, that is that is so from India, right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so um, overall, uh, Will, would you recommend this thing? No, give it a miss. Okay. Watch something else. Okay. Fair enough. Carnosaur 1 or 3, I recommend those. Carnosaur 3 instead of Oculus, huh? 
Uh-huh. Okay. Julian, how about you? Carnosaur had rubber dinosaur puppets, and Oculus did not. That's true. Carnosaur was under 90 minutes long. Oculus was not. Okay. These are just facts. (laughs) It's all in black and white. I'll argue with that. Okay. Carnosaur 3 is only 77 minutes long. You can't beat that. (laughs) <laughs> Unless you make something that's 76 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. Julian, what about you? How do you feel about this one? Do you recommend this one? Uh, I think it's well made. I uh, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think you should, you know, should watch it. It's, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, yeah. give it a watch. If you're a horror fan, especially non-horror fans, this isn't going to freak them out so much. So they could... They could, uh, if they're feeling like they want to watch a spooky movie at a, at a cabin uh, during holidays or, uh, I think, you know, Halloween time. Go ahead, Will. I think Mike Flanagan is probably the best director for horror movies made for non-horror fans. Okay, well, I'll take that into consideration. I'll think that one over. <laughs> uh, reading the reviews of oculus and having read the reviews of haunting of hill house it seems like he's really popular with people who say i'm not a horror movie fan i don't like scary things but i really like this okay i don't know what that means but he's accessible yeah you know technically yeah i like this film it looked good uh the editing's good um, he's not bumbling anyway. I just, I think the story was too weak. Well, I kind uh, of, yeah, I like, I like the, the cast, especially the women, uh, like Katie yeah. Sackhoff is terrific. Yeah, um, she really was. Yeah. Though I found her makeup weird and before she even became possessed. Right. There was like, like who did your makeup? It seems very odd in this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like maybe some directors and some writers who maybe are also writer directors, maybe it's like, um, like some of those prog rock bands of the seventies, like, like not everybody liked Steely Dan or, or rush, but the people who liked Steely Dan or rush liked them a lot. And other people are like, man, I don't get it. Or, or I kind of get it, but I don't agree. I don't follow it. Maybe this is kind of one of those things, like maybe there's something that's a little too slick about some of it or going in a direction that artistically you don't really groove on. You know, I think maybe it's like that. But saying saying the 70s, that makes me think uh, Mike Flanagan would have been great at 70s made-for-TV horror movies. He would have. Yeah. Horror movies that people tune in for that they're not ready to go out and see like hardcore horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. Of I, the seventies, but they'll see something that's more comfortable. Yeah. Um, the ABC yeah, the, movie of the week. The just watch it at home. It. That is exactly this doctor sleep and, uh, and, uh, Hill house all kind of, yeah, they are accessible sort of, uh, TV movie horror. Yeah. Maybe, you know? maybe even TV miniseries, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not not saying it's bad. No, no. 
but it is different than than uh, at least what I've I've come to expect in horror. Yeah, it feels it more just, like it, Salem's Lot. Yeah, yeah, it just it's not quite enough there. Not quite enough uh, personal touches in it. Not quite enough weird, you know, sort of. Uh, personality quirks coming through from Mike Flanagan. I don't really know. I don't get any read on who he is um, as a director. He's just very journeyman-like, it seems. Again, hmm. not a bad thing, but no, no. it's not quite what I'm looking for in horror. No, you're not wrong. It's it's, it's definitely a personal taste thing. And, uh, yeah, he's he doesn't have quite the edge that, that you would maybe want and he might even develop it. We don't know. Yeah. I think, I think he might take himself a little too seriously. If, if, if anything, he, I think maybe his movie would his movies will work a little better if they, I don't want it all tongue in cheek. I don't want high camp or anything, but just a little bit of, little wink there that like this is an evil mirror isn't that goofy i mean <laughs> do you think maybe he overthinks it maybe he over polishes it perhaps he does yeah that could be the case because i know he's sincere i know he loves horror maybe he overthinks it a little that that could be yeah it. and that's that's better than underthinking it i guess <laughs> i suppose yeah it's hard to say but yeah i you know i'd say there are more rubber dinosaurs what's <laughs> you, needed you know what somebody, <laughs> somebody needs to have a serious talk with them about including more rubber dinosaurs <laughs> yeah and, and what, what you were saying about uh, personal touches uh yeah yeah i get the feeling there's he doesn't have skin in the game it's not it's not a personal obsession like you get off uh you know, like Cronenberg and Argento and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, uh, I'm not feeling like these are your personal fears. These these are like a a very well-crafted, you know, diagrammatical, you know, well-scripted films, but uh, I'm not feeling a personal obsession here. Like, yeah. Like Veronica. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) That was all personal. All personal touches. It was just personal touches. Carnosaur is not a fair comparison. It was totally made for money. It was a total hack job. It was a well done hack job. But no, that person had a definite fear of uh, sock puppet dinosaurs <laughs> and chickens. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, guys, um, since we're approaching. Um, what should be Robonica? Do you want to do some evil robot movies for next time? Yeah, I think that sounds good. I should I should probably look at a calendar and say, are we going to be able to hit I, Christmas? Uh, well, we've we we're in we're into Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, d- definitely, uh, I, I I have a suggestion, but you don't have to go with it. Sure, well, let's hear it. Uh, Saturn three. Oh, okay. Uh, you got Killer Robot. Uh. Jewish actors. Awesome. Good thinking. He ticks the boxes for Robonica. Yeah. Yes. So I think if you can combine Jewish culture and robots, then you've got to pick for Robonica. Robonica. And it's respectful and kosher and everything. 
All right. Well, that's cool. Enjoy. So that that will it's on uh, it's on YouTube. Okay. Excellent. Um, what about Christmas horror to follow that one up? Do you guys have any uh, Santa or Christmas or Krampus stuff that you'd like to do for the next one? I can't think of one that we haven't talked about <laughs> before. Unfortunately, I already did Blood Beat. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. I could have saved that. It technically lands on Christmas, <laughs> but only technically. Um, but okay, so the next episode will land just before Christmas anyway. So maybe we'll maybe we'll talk a little bit in addition to Saturn Three for Robonica. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Christmas horror as well. Sure. And um, yeah, yeah. That, you don't have to do Saturn Three. I'm just, uh, just no, I, it out. no. No, I, I, think, I think that's a good one. No, it's a good idea. It's been a long, long time since I've seen Saturn Three. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not as many killer robot movies as there should be. You know, con- considering <laughs> the wealth of opportunity, it's an invincible thing. You know, but oh, I, I can come up with plenty. <laughs> you know what? Have a list ready for us for next time, and we'll, we'll so our sure. li- <laughs> so our listeners can get some recommended viewing. Um, yeah, we're definitely a little okay. bit a little bit over the, our usual time. So if you guys. Uh, if you're good with wrapping it up here, I think it's good. Listeners, we thank you for listening. Uh, don't look in the mirror. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially especially if you haven't been out to a barber's in some time. Oh, yeah. 